welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Marla and Craig and Pedro. Good to have you guys. Four folks and three continents. That's good. Craig, I just listened to last week's podcast. Thank you, y'all. Uh, uh, that was good. Thank you for for hosting for me last week. Any uh, any comments from last week that you guys would like to talk about before we start? There comes Amy. And there's one thing from this, you know, first she's talking about accepting what is, and I like this statement on page 34. Some of us have learned to accept what is, and I invite you to go further and actually love what is. This is our natural state. Freedom is our birthright. In other words, freedom resides in us not only accepting what is, but learning to love what is. That's a whole nother level for me. It's a tall order, a very tall order. Baby steps. Yes. I enjoyed the conversation last week. It was good. Any uh, anything before we get into the question and answers on? I think on page thirty-five is where we're at. Good to have you today, Amy. Glad you could make it, ma'am. Um. I'm just going to read the question and read the answer, and then let's talk about each and see if there's anything there that we need to discuss. Uh, can can I, I have a request? Yes. Can somebody ask the question and somebody else answer it? Sure. Um, why don't I, Craig, you want to ask the question, and then maybe uh, Amy or Marla could answer? Yeah. Would that work? Let's do that. Let me find the questions. What? Uh, yeah, what page? Are you on page uh, 24? Uh, 35 is where we all left off. We did what? That reminds me, I was talking to one of my sponsees the other day, and I was trying to, <laughs> we were trying to talk about the um, religiosity in, in AA, and I thought the, the spiritual experience was at the, the, the in one of the, um, the forwards, so I says, right, let, let's let's jump to that. Don't look at me like that, Amy. Let's let's jump to the forwards. I'm, I'm looking for this part. I'm looking for this specific part. <laughs> and we're on page XX. And then it turns out it's on page 527 or whatever it was, just at the back. So it's like, right, so it's just next to XX, right at the back, at the front, next to the back. Took about 40 minutes to find the part I was looking for. Right. Are you ready? Refresh me how we're doing this. Just so I'm I'm going to ask the question. You're going to answer it. Okay. Marla, I've had a hard time writing about others. Can I write about myself? Well, Craig, if you want to know yourself, I suggest you write about someone else. (laughs) Point the work outward in the beginning, and you may come to see that everything outside you is a direct reflection of your thinking. It's all about you. Most of us have been pointing criticism and judgments at other at ourselves for years, and it hasn't solved anything yet. 
Judging someone else, questioning these judgments, and turning them around is the fast path to understanding and self-realization. Does that answer your question, Craig? Nope. <laughs> it asks more. Just, just that answer asks more. Hold on. Um, Talk about that a little bit. Don't, don't move on. No, I, I, there. yes, yeah, because because it's saying you know, can I write about myself? No, I would, I would, um, I would normally write about myself because that's what I'm looking at doing. I'm looking to identify what's going on with me, and then from there identify my my character, my, my defects of character, or my characteristics, whatever, whatever you want to call them, however you want to dress it up. Um, and I do. And when Marla was answering that question, and she, she did it very well, Marla, well done. <laughs> I was thinking about the. Um, do, do you know how we talk, talk about turning the spotlight on ourselves? So we're looking inwards, and what this is suggesting is looking outwards. But and do we not, Craig? Do we not turn the light inward by looking outward? Do we? That's exactly what it's saying, isn't it? We see the reflection. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get it. I, I get it because I, I'm, I'm projecting, I'm projecting my perceptions on everybody else, and that's that's really a reflection of myself. Because I can't see me unless I, I'm looking and trying. That's why it says to know myself. I must write about someone else in my mm-hmm. in, in my difficulties. If I'm having a problem with anger, what do I think about the person that I'm angry at? Not what I think about me. And then I'm able to flip that around and, and, and see more about me by how I'm uh, treating and believing about others. Makes so much sense. You know, and, and that's the same thing with what, you know, with working with others. We, we work with another alcoholic and in turn, we stay sober. It's the same thing. Except on the, on the reverse of that, you know, when we're not talking about defects, but yet we're talking about, uh, uh, our recovery or with anything, we 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 look at how we're treating others and how we help others in return. We're we see the reflection of ourselves. So all of that's there. Yeah, what, what I'm really thinking there is that when you point that finger, you got the three fingers pointing back. You may come to see that everything outside you is a direct reflection of your thinking. Even though you think it's about them, it's still all about you. Huh. That's good. It has to be. Because it's the only lens that you have to to look through. So it has to be somebody else. Yes, that's good. Is it somebody else, though, that you also want to be like? Or is it somebody that you're angry with? Which way do you do it? Or do you do it both ways? I would think of both, Marla. I would think, uh, you know, here we're talking about uh, usually disturbances, you know, things that are a problem for us. So it would be the things that, you know, our character defects is what this is talking about a lot of the, the reasons why we're disturbed or angry or all those things. So, yeah, that's just down to the real nuts and bolts of how it works. Anything else in that question, guys, in that answer? What's your next question, Craig? Wait, wait a minute, because oh. I, I feel like um, like it's easier before we've done some work, no pun intended, on ourselves. 
I think it's easier to 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 judge other and like deflect. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. Um, and I know you're not going to believe this, but literally, I got off the phone with a sponsee. That's why I was a couple minutes late. Um, right before this, and she's doing some work. No pun intended. Um, with a, a religious group that she, you know, a, a Christian group. Um, no offense to to your Christian friends, buddy. Um, she's doing some other stuff, right? And um, and she she asked a series of questions from me about her. It it was almost identical to what these questions are. As she was going through these questions, I absolutely was like, man, if you spot it, you got it. Because there were a couple of times where she was, she would say, pot calling the kettle. And I'm like, I know, but that's how I know this about me and about you, because it's it's all very reflective. And that's how I went into that conversation and not being like defensive or deflective. I hope I'm making sense. Okay. That's why our prayer shifts from God help me to God, who can I help? I mean, it's just really that simple. If, if we're not analyzing our relationship or looking at our relationship with others, we can't see the reflection because that is the mirror. Others are our mirror so we can see ourselves. Marla, I've heard you say that you're a lover of reality. What about war, rape, poverty, violence, and child abuse? Are you condoning them? Well, Craig, how could I condone them? I'm not crazy. That's, That's what I'm asking. I could not condone them. I'm not crazy. I simply notice that if I believe they shouldn't exist when they do exist, I suffer. Can I just end the war in me? Can I stop raping myself and others with my abusive thoughts? If not, I'm continuing in myself the very thing I want to end in the world. Sanity doesn't suffer ever. Can you eliminate war everywhere on earth? Through inquiry, you can begin to eliminate it for one human being, you. This is the beginning of the end of the war in the world. If life upsets you, good. Judge the war makers on paper. Inquire and turn it around. Do you really want to know the truth? All suffering begins and ends with you. No, I know. Oh, Craig, let me interrupt you real quick. Uh, for anyone that's just turning in, tuning into the podcast, the last few weeks we've been talking about Byron Katie's work called The Work. And this is the last week. I would encourage you, if you like what you're hearing, we'll go back on Taoist text next week. Uh, we'll have Sensei in actually talking about one of the verses of Tao Te Ching, but Go back and listen to the last few episodes, and we've gone through her work, and this is the last week, just going through the Q&A at the end of uh, her PDF that's free from her website, and I've got a link to the PDF also in the show notes. Go ahead, Craig. I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine. The um, no, the, the answer to that for me is acceptance. Mm-hmm. Acceptance for things like that, how they are. I'm powerless over people, places, and things. And the more that I don't accept that, the more I'm going to suffer. Yeah, I, I see that too. But I just think that is, I don't know, somehow also saying that the real war is inside you. And that's the acceptance you got to have. Yeah. That's your anger, bitterness, and fear, all your resentments. 
I think last week I was talking about how the words that I've used to describe myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not nice, not nice words. And uh, sub- I'm really very, very conscientiously working on changing the dialogue. And because I that is really an internal war with myself is, you know, being so angry and unforgiving with myself, you know. So I'm working on acceptance. <laughs> That's a good one. And and this reminds me too, and this seems to happen in some in another study group that I'm in, where we take an issue and we make it so broad that we don't apply it to our life. Like the question was, what about war and rape and poverty and violence and child abuse? You know, it's taking the question and making it so big that you lose sight of of how you can be free of that yourself. And I love the way that she turned that around that the the only person that we can stop the war and the poverty and the rape and the violence and the child abuse with is us. We start there. I really like that because it's so easy to get these big, broad questions and unfairness and uh, the problems in the world and, and just skip right by how it can apply to our own life. I, I like this also from begins and ends with you. Nice quote. Because Pedro, because, you know, our suffering is because of our lack of acceptance of what is, you know, that's, I think that's where she's pointing. Uh, well, so, also- sorry, not, not our lack of acceptance is Pedro's lack of acceptance. Don't push this character defects onto me. <laughs> I'm not responsible for his lack of acceptance. <laughs> I've got enough of my own issues to deal with about Pedro's. <laughs> but are you talking about his lack of acceptance because you really do have lack of acceptance? I refuse to accept that. So, Marla, what you're saying is I should just accept reality as it is and not argue with it? Is that right? Hmm. Well, Craig, it's not up to me to say what anyone should or shouldn't do. I simply ask, what is the effect of arguing with reality? How does it feel? The work explores the cause and effect of attaching to painful thoughts. And in that investigation, we find our freedom. To simply say that we shouldn't argue with reality just adds another story, another spiritual concept. It hasn't ever worked. So true. But what it's amazing it? how much time it's amazing how much time I do actually spend arguing with reality. Yeah, I, I I know, and it's wow, what a waste of time. Instead of just accepting, like, oh, okay, you know, it's like if your boss tells you to do something and you're like, fuck that, I can do it much better. You know, you're like, you can do better, you know, I know better. I just say, yes, ma'am, I'll do whatever you want. And I, I'm happier. She's happier. Life is better with acceptance and i argue with reality in some very ways too uh you know and most of it's in my head you know it's little but those little things are what cause me the most disturbance i don't know if we've mentioned this during this discussion before but it's just sprung to mind when we're arguing about reality it's the guy that's trying to mop up the ocean he's got his he's got his bucket and his mop and the tide's coming in and he's there and he's trying to mop up the ocean. He's squeezing it in his bucket. Then when his bucket gets full, he chucks it back into the ocean. Then he starts all over again. That's what this is reminding me of. 
Marla. That's doing the impossible. Yep. I don't believe in God. Can I still benefit from the work? For sure. Yes, Craig. Atheist, agnostic, Christian, Jew, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, pagan. We all have one thing in common. We want happiness and peace. If you are tired of suffering, I invite you to the work. And the reason behind that is because it points us to acceptance, right? Acceptance of what is. Loving loving what is sounds like never wanting anything. Isn't it more interesting to want things? My experience is that I do want something all the time. What I want is what is. It's not only interesting, it's ecstatic. What I When I want what I have, thought and action aren't separate. They move as one without conflict. If you find anything lacking ever, write down your thoughts and inquire. I find that life never falls short and doesn't require future. Everything I need is always supplied and I don't have to do anything for it. There's nothing more exciting than loving what is. That sounds pretty remarkable. That sounds very Taoist, doesn't it? Yes. I, I'm reading this Bhagavad Gita, and they have Bhagavad this... Gita? Yes, uh, the, this one. And they have this thing that is um, action without wanting the result. Like, um, I forgot the name in English that they have for that. It's like um, uh, just doing non-attachment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Non-attachment. And uh, I'm not sure if that's what she means here or if it's like um, if you accept things, um, you don't inquire things more. Anything else? And that is when we talk about we know that we have enough. Or we, we we know when we have enough, when we have enough. But it's it's getting to that stage where we know that we have enough. And we also talk about acting without expectation. We're just doing the right thing. What about um, the one, this one that your future? You don't have to think about your future because it's everything's already taken care of. Mm-hmm. Don't need to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Historically speaking, in my experience, everything's been taken care of. And my future was nothing like I planned it when I was a kid. I mean, my life was, my life didn't turn out the way I planned it. You know, and too, Marla, with that, what ultimately gives me peace and joy or makes me happy, so to speak, is not what I thought would. I thought that was in me having these things and having the perfect life and all the stuff and the security and all the things that we think bring success when it's really in the acceptance, not in what we're accepting, but yet that we accept things as they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's much different than what uh, I started out thinking life was like or what peace and joy was about, was like in life. Do you think that's because we spend a lot of time looking at other people? Wondering what other people have? That seems like a natural thing to do. It seems like humans just do that. One-up each other, or competition, whatever. 
Now, now looking at other people in that regards different from the way she's talking about, mm -hmm. you know, she's talking about looking at other people as in the ways we judge them and the people that we think do not make us happy. If they would only change, then we would be happy. Well, you're talking about more competition, right, Craig? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, and that's yeah. fear for me. Fear is in my competition. I'm just pacifying fear, and that I'm never happy pacifying fear. Now, Marla, I'm I'm asking this question for a friend, okay? Because we we all know this doesn't apply to me. What if I don't have a problem with people? And anybody that knows me knows I hate people. Like, I just don't like people. We had, we had people over for my son's birthday party one time, and I just went up to my bed because I could not be bothered with people. I just, I just went upstairs. My mum says, my mum says to me the next day, she says, what happened to you? It was about half past six. So I went to my bed. So I just couldn't be bothered with people. So what happens if I don't have a problem with people? Can I write about things like my body? Well, Craig, yes. Do the work on any subject that is stressful. As you become familiar with the four questions and the turnarounds, turnarounds, you may choose objects. I, I can hardly see this. I'm sorry. You may choose objects such as the body, disease, career, or even God. Hold on. Then experiment with using the term my thinking in place of the object when you do the turnarounds. Example, my body should be strong, flexible, and healthy becomes my thinking should be strong, flexible, and healthy. Isn't that what you really want? A balanced, healthy mind? Has a sick body ever been a problem? Or is it your thinking about the body that causes the problem? Investigate. Let your doctor take care of your body as you take care of your thinking. I have a friend who can't move his body and he loves his life because he loves what he thinks. Freedom doesn't require a healthy body. Free your mind and the body will follow. Can I really just get some help on this one? Because I definitely, for real, own a t-shirt, legit t-shirt that says, do I look like a fucking people person? I mean, I could go put it on right now and show you. Craig loves it. So I've, how I've got a t-shirt that says if found, call my sponsor. <laughs> Does it have his phone number on there? Um <laughs> yeah, his number is five five. <laughs> yeah, five five five, five 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 five. Okay, but seriously, I mean, like I, I maybe the point of this is to again take the focus on like everything out there and go internal with it and get down to like back to recovery causes and conditions, right? I understand that's probably the concept, but I'm really finding a hard correlation between people fucking suck and sometimes they're shitty to, I love my body. It's fantastic. I'm so grateful that I'm healthy today. Can you please help me with this one? I'm with you, Amy. I can't. Well, for me on this, Amy, I'm thinking there. She's even saying that your body is external to you, because she's saying to substitute thinking for your body. So if you let's say you think you don't have a problem with people, uh, this person would have a problem with their body. Okay, so that is external to them. So what she's saying is substitute 
thinking for your body in your statement so that you still turn it around that ever how you think about your body is still a thinking problem. It's still a, an issue in your thinking. It's not an issue in your body. I think is what she's saying. And that makes sense to me. Yes. Or maybe if I had, if I really paid attention, it says, what if I don't have a problem with people? It doesn't say, look, I'm so stuck on the fact that people suck <laughs> that I even read the question wrong. Wow. Look at that. The work is being done right now. That's incredible. Free your mind, Amy. Free your mind. Marla, how can I learn to forgive someone who hurt me very badly? Look, that is a tough one, Craig. Judge your enemy, write it down, ask four questions, turn it around. See for yourself that forgiveness means discovering that what you thought happened didn't. Until you can see that there is nothing to forgive, you haven't really forgiven. We are all innocent. We hurt others because we believe our unquestioned thoughts. No one would ever harm another human being unless they were confused. So whenever you suffer, identify the thoughts you're thinking, write them down, question them, and allow the answers from within to set you free. Be a child. Start from the mind that knows nothing. Take your ignorance all the way to freedom. I was looking for the big book verse about we're all sick people. Isn't that in the ninth step? Hmm. While y'all talk, I'll, I'll look for that. I can see a lot of applications for this. I, I for one, have never liked my body. I have body dysmorphia, you know, without having any reason to it. And on the exterior, my body's super strong. It's just my brain that's telling me I don't have a body like a model. But that's what this is going back to. We're comparing ourselves to others. Yeah. We're looking at others, we're looking at other people. And I, I suffer from this all the time. People are looking at me all the time and thinking, I don't have a body like Craig's. And they get jealous of it. And they keep hitting me up in the street and saying, look, Craig, how do you do it? So it's really a, a case of what we're focusing on. Do, do you ever, with your wife, because you never complain about her, but I mean, do you ever just think, God, she's nuts. I'm going to smack her or something. I mean, not, not literally, but like, why oh, no, is she no, this? Oh, no, I And uh, it nearly came close to that today. Oh, oh no, no, no. <laughs> Real men don't hit women. My, my, my intolerance, my intolerance levels were kind of up there today. We're all, we're both tired. We've, we've um, we're both tired. We've had long days. And, mm. yeah, like, this just, is the bottom of page 66. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. And this is the sick man's prayer is what I have beside this part. We ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? 
God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. Yep. That's a difficult one for me. Mm -hmm. That's difficult. Not to say that, you know, there aren't people who do bad things to other people, and it does happen, and it happens a lot. But there's a place that we can get to where we can find freedom from the anger and hate and resentment. And that's the whole point. It's not to say they're not guilty, but it's to say that we're not guilty. You know? And, yeah. And everybody has a story. You know, you, you just don't know what it is. And it's fair for us to give them the benefit of the doubt. But the, the gift in this is is not whether they're right or wrong or sick or what the gift is that we can be free you know yeah. that's the whole gift of recovery craig we got several pages left don't we so you want to what do we have left here all right i, I can't make this any bigger the, okay. the you want amy to read yeah the text is too small for my old eyes thank you marla amy i've exhausted marla i'm needing more answers how can i oh no we've done that one is inquiry a process of thinking? If not, what is it? Well, Craig, inquiry, inquiry appears to be a process of thinking, but actually it's a way to undo thinking. Thoughts lose their power over us when we realize that they simply appear in the mind. They're not personal. Through the work, instead of escaping or suppressing our thoughts, we learn to meet them with unconditional love and understanding. So our thoughts are not personal? What does she mean by that? I think some thoughts are a figment of my imagination. Don't believe everything you think? Yeah, do you know, a, a lot of the time, if, if I'm having a conversation with a buddy, I'll, I'll pop up someone and say, hey, Buddy, I was thinking, and the first thing we do is shake his head and say, "Like you know, you're not qualified to think. You know, you know what happens when you think. You come up with stupid ideas." Uh, but I do think that when I do that with Buddy, we highlight we highlight exactly what she's talking about here, and it's the same as when we do when we talk about resentments with people. The minute I start talking about resentment with somebody, it loses its power. And it's the same as if I have a problem, because we all know the old, the old, the old saying, a problem, a problem shared is a problem halved. Well, everybody else knows it apart from me. I can't, I can't even say it. But the minute I start talking about an issue, it all of a sudden it doesn't seem as big as it actually is in my head because I'm bouncing it off somebody else and I can get somebody else's input on it. And most of the time the problem is because I'm thinking about something. I think this is really good. Instead of escaping or suppressing our thoughts, isn't that what we were drink while we drank? Mm -hmm. And don't we try to do that now when we resist? That's the resistance that we're talking about. We learn to meet them with unconditional love and understanding. It, it was a real freedom for me when I realized that my thoughts were not personal. And that was a whole different way of thinking for me because I always thought that I was my thinking. That was part of me. And if I had a bad thought that I had already messed up, you know, I'd already, you know, done something wrong, so to speak. But this idea that our thoughts are not personal to us, that all of us have the majority of the same thoughts 
and they are not us. That really keeps me from thinking I need to suppress them or escape from them. Oh, that's just thinking. It'd be the same as having a friend that had crazy ideas all the time. Just because they had an idea and suggested something doesn't mean I did something wrong. It's the same thing with our thinking. Our thinking's that crazy friend that if they were a friend, we we would disown them and never be a, never hang out with them again. And then well, we just ignore it. And the next time our thoughts say something, we believe it again. We're just as gullible. So isn't that where meditation comes in? You don't suppress the thoughts. You let this, the thought come and then you just let it go. That's part of it. I think, Craig, for me, it's that thinking I realize is no longer me. And I can kind of look through those thoughts like a curtain, you know. I can look through that or a window, ever how you want to think of it. And I don't have to take those things personally or act upon them. Yeah, because Michael Singer did, when they're yeah, odd. Michael Singer's done quite a bit of work on that with the, the untethered soul and the surrender experiment. He's, he's recognizing that thought as not, you know, where did that thought come from? And who, who put that thought in my head? Or is there somebody else in there with me? Which in some cases <laughs> to me well be. But it's where's that thought coming from and, you know, why is it there? Is it me that's thinking or is is an alter ego or, you know, some sort of subconscious level that I'm thinking on something else? Do I have to attach myself to it and do I have to act on it? You know, Hawkins in Letting Go says that those thoughts come from our fear because our fears, uh, our thoughts are trying to pacify our fear. Could be. That's the last of our questions. We do have some, they're called Katieisms, a one page of these. These are probably the, these are her best quotes, I think. Let's go through them real quick and then we'll close for today and we'll be finished with this. I'm happy to, you know, talk about how this applies as much as we can. I think we've done a good job with this. Thank y'all for allowing us to go through this and veer from, you know, in what, three or four years we've been doing this podcast. We've always stayed with Taoist tech. So this is the first time that we ventured away a little. And I, I like this. I think this is very applicable. Um, okay. When you argue with reality, you lose, but only 100% of the time. You know, in arguing with reality, it doesn't mean that we have to accept everything as it is and not work to change anything, but we can't know what to change until we accept what is. So that's where the acceptance comes in. If you have an issue with the word reality, just change the reality to your wife. When you argue with your wife, you lose but only 100% of the time. Or any, any of your conception of God, or how about love? When you argue with love, you lose. And isn't that powerful? When you argue with love, you lose. You know, that's like the sixth and seventh step. What really changes us is when we choose to love. Are you commenting, Greg? Craig, I think you're doing something behind the scenes because I see you with your little snicker. Are you okay? All right. I'm fine. All right. Why are you so suspicious? Because he's your sponsor and he has the mirror and it's reflective. And <laughs> he knows you better than he knows himself, but he knows himself because he knows you. But in all fairness, I was going to type something, but I'm not going to know because I make it a couple. I like the next one. I like this next one. All right. Personalities don't love. They want something. I don't know about that. I don't. How would that apply? 
I don't like it anymore because you asked me to explain it. Maybe a personality like a narcissist or, you know, I don't know. Not, your guess is as good. How can, you, how can you love and be fearful at the same time? I and mean, what is fear for me? It's wanting something I don't have or not. What is it? Losing something I Losing, have. Thank you. Or not getting something I want, right? So if I'm fear-based, I can't be love-based. So if I'm not loving, I'm afraid. If I'm afraid, then I want. So I get it. Yeah, and the thing that changes my changes me is when I have that opportunity to love instead of act on my fear. It's always love that changes me, choosing to love. I don't know. Does she mean character defects don't love? They want something or fear? Should personalities mean fear? Or I don't know. I don't so know. I think that's I think that's what she's getting at. I, I think it's a case of, you know what, just if you're not being your, your natural you. If you're having to put on some some act to curry favor or to I don't know to, to maybe get on somebody's good side, you know, you, you maybe want a favor of somebody. If we take it back to the long version of the um, twelfth tradition, and finally, Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the principle of anonymity has an immense spiritual significance. It reminds us that we are to place principles before personalities, that we are actually to practice a genuine humility. This to the end that our great blessings may never spoil us, that we shall forever live in thankful contemplation of him who presides over us all. So if we are talking about personalities and not principles, that could be part of this too. Yeah. That's good. Thank you, Amy. Yeah. If I had a prayer, it would be this. God spare me from a desire for love, approval, or appreciation. Amen. Hmm. Is the key word there desire? Yeah, I would think so. I would yeah. think so. Yeah. Because if I'm wanting something or desiring something that I'm not back to loving what is, right? Or being okay with what is. Yes. Don't pretend yourself beyond your own evolution. Don't Craig, what does that one mean? Oh, I thought I think it just I know you didn't ask Craig, but it just means your ego is way too big. <laughs> you think of yourself much in a much higher way than the reality of what you really are. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Because I had no clue, Marla. Well, I, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, well, you, you know that I'm the most humblest person in this <laughs> meeting. So that I think that's really what it's it's asking us to do is practice a humility that's maybe kind of around about my level of humility, but I don't know if he's ever achieved that, but you know, he's going to always aspire. I'm way more humble than you. Oh, well, (laughs) (laughs) I think think that one's really talking about humility, buddy. Okay. I would think so. Yeah, that's good. How about this one? An unquestioned mind is the only suffering. We believe that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I would have thought it would be unquestioning mind, not an unquestioned mind. I think it's interesting. I think it's a, a, an interesting way that she's she's put that. Wouldn't that be the same thing? No, no, no. Because I, I think I, as a person that is questioning things, then I'm looking for answers. 
but something that is never questioned. I think maybe that's where she's going with that reality thing. Something that, you know, you, you don't really question reality. You don't question your mind. The unquestioned is an unaware mind. The unquestioned mind is the mind that's unaware that it's, that it has questions. Does that, does that mean, does that make sense? There's people who are remain unaware and ignorant of themselves of themselves. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. Thank you, Marlo. Yeah. Okay. You either believe what you think or you question it. There's no other choice. I think she took that from Yoda. Do or do not, there is no try. Yeah. Yeah. That really is true. I think that one is right on. Or how about this next one? No one can hurt me. That's my job. Wow. The worst thing that has ever happened is an unquestioned thought. Can we just jump back to that last one? Because that reminds me of David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me. If you've, if you've ever read the David Goggins book, Can't Hurt Me, you know that he came to the realization that the only person that can hurt anybody is himself because it's him that's taking things personally. It's him that's taking things as a personal attack on him. And that the only war that he really has is an internal one. So he has, he has to win that war of, over his, his own mind. Incredible book. It really is um, it's an incredible journey that guy went on. He went through Bud's training three times. The guy's the guy's hard ass. He's he's absolutely brilliant. I watch his I watch his, his videos on Facebook and Instagram and that. And first thing in the morning, he's really motivational. He kind of gets you up and out of bed first thing in the morning. Thank you, Craig. Sanity doesn't suffer ever because you're so insane. You can't believe your thoughts. The earth is flat. Or, but if you bring that back to you personally, what are some insane thoughts that you think about yourself or that you really practice every day? That's where the rubber hits the road. If, if my, you know, the second step says came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Yeah, sanity doesn't suffer. Yeah. If you're my insane, insane you thing. Really know it. If you're insane, you don't really know it. But, you know, we have insane thoughts and they're what calls us all of our angst. And Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, that true. That's probably more of what she's talking about. If I think you're my problem, I'm insane. <laughs> I don't let go of my concepts. I question them. Then they let go of me. Isn't that how it works? When we question, is this true? Is this really true? Those things just let go of us. That's really how how it seems to be. Mm -hmm. Huh. It just softens, you know? Yep. You move totally away from reality when you believe that there is a legitimate reason to suffer. And that's really what this is doing is taking away all of our reasons to suffer. There is no reason for us to suffer. And that's what our fourth and ninth steps do for us is it takes away all those reasons why we think we're a piece of shit, you know? 
takes all that away. Reality, y'all interrupt me when you got something. Reality is always kinder than the story we are believing about it. Well, sure. Yeah. Because we look at it through our, our reality through our own lens. And we're not perceiving it correctly. Correct. I'm very clear that the whole world loves me. I just don't expect them to realize it yet. Do what, Amy? What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm very clear that the whole world loves me. I just don't expect them to realize that they love me. Not yet. Isn't Isn't that just like giving people the right to be wrong? Yeah, or the right to be themselves, you know? She says, I know that person loves me. They just don't know it yet. That'd be wonderful. But that's the acceptance of what is. That's the reality of accepting that reality as it is and not attaching the way we want reality to be. And she's taking it a step further. You know, I know everything. These people love me. They just don't know they love me yet. So I can accept them like they are for now. I think that's what she's saying. There are no physical problems, only mental ones. That goes back. I would would contest that one. I don't don't agree with that one at all. If my leg fell off, then that's going to be a leg falling off. Am I going to? Am I going to think to myself, "Oh, that's a mental issue"? You know, I just think my legs fell off with it. No, I'll give you a little reality about people with multiple sclerosis. Their body doesn't work um that's a physical problem that they have to contend with on a daily basis some that that's yeah that's what i'm thinking about i think this is maybe going back to that one we were talking about you know um yeah we were talking about the um one of the questions and she's saying you know we we only we only think that we don't like ourselves we don't we don't have we don't have a problem with my body. It's it's the way that I think about my body that gives me the problem with the body. Well, yeah, there's truth to that too, but it's back to the idea that our acceptance of any situation is, is in our thinking and in within it's not arranging the outside. So to make us happy now, page 64 in the big book, when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. Is that not saying the same thing? Yeah. In other words, the real problem is not the physical. Granted, there are physical problems. You can see them. They're there. You can touch them. You can feel them or whatever, you know. But the the issue with that, getting peace about that, is about what our what's going on within about that, not that in particular, because we all have limitations physically. Right. We do. We do. You're right. It's It's our approach to those things and acceptance of those things reality is god because it rules okay i can see that when i am perfectly clear what is is what i want that makes sense yeah arguing with reality is like trying to teach a cat to bark hopeless how do i know that i don't need what i want i don't have it (laughs) Because if, if you don't have it, you don't need it. That's right. <laughs> Amy's having problems with all of this, I think. I can see her face contorting. So, uh, 
<laughs> That's why I don't play poker. Um, I, yeah, some of it's a little over my head, but that's okay. It's because I'm not as spiritual as you, buddy. Oh, God. But but doesn't it make sense, though, Amy? Some of it does. Some of it does not. But that's okay, too. I'm in acceptance of that. Okay. Well, what will happen is what happens with me when I read some of this. I'm like, I'll have some circumstance happen later. Oh, that's what she was talking about. That happens a lot. It's usually at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you know, things are as they should be. Well, this is how they are, so I guess it's how they should be. I mean, it's it's that taking that thinking phase out. Said, okay, it just okay, it's like this. Okay, well, it just is. Forgiveness is realizing that what you thought happened didn't. Mm, I don't know. That really? That's way. the one that I like. <laughs> Explain that one to me, Amy. I, please. I like it too. I do too. Thing is, it has to do with perception. I mean, my perception of a series of events is is not necessarily what I mean. Take um, forgiveness, though. What I thought was my hostage, aka husband number one and number two, were abusive. And they weren't good husbands and they didn't do these things. But that's not what happened. What happened was I expected them to be something or somebody that they were not capable of being. So when I realized that, the reality of it was it was me and my expectations of other people. And I forgave myself. For having those unrealistic expectations, then all of a sudden, there I forgave them for what I thought I needed to forgive them for, but really it was forgiving myself for expecting something to happen that couldn't. Now, that makes sense. I was doing what I had said we shouldn't do earlier, which was, Think about very horrendous situations for people and thinking, you know, if some, let's say a woman was raped, that really happened. And I was kind of getting my head around that, but I need to limit this to how I would think about it for me, I guess. I, I, but, you know, even that story, even with something as horrendous as that, what we think, I mean, granted the act happened, but. It could be that our um, perception of what happened is different from what really happened. You know what I mean? Like it's all these things that we keep torturing ourselves about in situations when no matter what the situation, how major or minor that we need to forgive, we always have a wrong perception, I guess, would be a good way to maybe. Okay. Well, let's just read the next one. My sponsor would encourage me to just read, keep reading and you'll get the answers, Amy. Because the next one is everything happens for me, not to me. Yes. Uh, mm. Got to believe that. You got to believe that. You got to believe that. And the last one is good too. Gratitude is what we are without a story without that negative, that story that we add to it. There's gratitude. 
all about gratitude. Mm-hmm. Guys, this has been a good little study. I hope some folks take away from this something that they can use, especially in doing their step work or for people that are not in recovery that want some freedom from uh, our thinking. This is a this is a great tool to use. Indeed. I was resistant. But then again, I've been resistant to everything that related to recovery. Yeah. I'm just getting yeah. older and wiser and more mature and open, more open to new ways of doing things. Any Anything else, guys, with this before we close? Thank you. Not with this, but I just give a quick hello to Scotty. Scotty sent me a text during the week. He says, hi, Craig, my name is Scotty who's been enjoying the Dow podcast, just wanted to say how much you've enjoyed listening. So thanks very much, Scotty. We always appreciate it. Thanks, Scotty. And if you're from Maine, Scotty, extra, extra appreciation and thank you. Well, I I think he's from Australia. Oh, different Scotty. From down under. That's amazing. Then can you tell us where Pip is? (laughs) Scotty, go look up Pip. Where's she going? He says, I'm an Aussie. Who's been enjoying the Dow podcast? So I, maybe he knows I, this, her. <laughs> I think everybody in Australia knows each other. Yeah, because it's such a small country. Anyways, all right, guys. If there's nothing else, uh, we will close with that. Y'all have a fantastic week, and we will see you next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.